1: I don't know about you all, but I was a big party girl in college. I was in a sorority at Virginia Tech, and we literally drank all the time. Four years since graduating college, I literally cannot hang anymore. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to. I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day. But here we're entering in Zbiotics. It's a pre-alcohol probiotic, and it's the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. This is what Jill and I do. We use Zbiotics as our first drink of the night, and you're hearing it here first. It is a game changer for us the next morning. Honestly, it helps me so much mentally, so I'm more focused on the drinks and having fun versus not feeling good. So savor the moment. Let Zbiotics do the rest. Go to zbiotics.com/gtg to get 15% off your first order when you use GTG at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee. So if you are unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, head to zbiotics.com slash DTG and use the code GTG at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, ZBiotics, for sponsoring this
0: episode. Wow, we just finished such a great episode.
1: Yeah, we had on Dr. Amy Killen. She was so awesome, wonderful guest. And who is she? She's an expert in women's health and longevity specifically on the topics of sleep, stress, sex, and skin. The title of today's episode, she's a mom, an entrepreneur, she's the founder of Hotbox, we'll go into that at the end, Human Optimization Project, and a former ER doctor, which we'll also talk about in this episode. She really does an amazing job of making taboo topics easy to digest.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. We covered so much in this episode. We actually got a few DMs recently on Instagram asking us about what inflammation actually means. And you're in luck if that was you, because we talk about inflammation, tests for inflammation, We talk about stress, sleep. We get really specific on sleep as well Mm -hmm. and skin. She talks about red light and blue light, which I had so many questions about. And then we also dive into sexual health.
1: Yeah, like why it's important to have a healthy sex life for yourself or a partner and this isn't necessarily a topic that Jill and I talk about too much on this podcast, but Dr. Amy thinks it's necessary, so we think it's necessary.
0: Once you're done listening to this episode, I'd highly recommend you go and check out her Instagram. It is so helpful. She provides a lot of different reels that are three tips for this or five reasons for that. And so if you are a beginner in your health journey, I think Dr. Amy is a really great place to start. I
1: agree. Well, let's just get right into it. Here is Dr. Amy on Gut Talk.
0: Well, thanks for jumping on. We're really excited to chat with you going through all of your social media. I feel like you talk about a lot of things that aren't mainstream. Or maybe you take the mainstream ideas and you're introducing new subtopics that I, for one, have never heard of. Jenna's a nutritional therapy practitioner and has education behind what she's saying. I'm just a consumer that's trying to be healthy. So it was really cool going through your Instagram. Jenna and I were kind of trading notes back and forth because I'm like, what does that mean? Or like, I've heard of that, but, but why? So we're really excited today to, to jump into a lot of that with you.
2: Perfect. Yeah. I got your notes. They were, they they very
1: thorough. So I love it. Just to start it off. I know that you were previously an ER doctor and that took a toll on you. So if you can explain just a little bit of how your journey went from becoming an ER doctor to where you're at now.
2: Yeah. So I was uh, I went to residency and in, in, uh, in, in emergency medicine. So I was an ER doctor for ten years. I worked in Austin actually, so I know about the heat. Um, oh wow. and, <laughs> and towards the end of that, I had I have three kids, so I had twins and I had one more, and it all happened within a two year period. So I was working full time, and my husband had moved out of state to for a job. So I was kind of a single parent, and I was getting up at at three thirty in the morning to go to work every day. And taking care of these kids when I wasn't in the ER. So basically, as you can imagine, and this happens to women, I think you know, at any age, all over the place. But essentially, just wasn't wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating well, wasn't exercising, was super stressed. Um, just kind of all the things were happening at one time. And after a few years of that. I just had a moment where I just realized that if I actually wanted to be healthy, I needed to leave that job and learn a whole new set of skills um, for to make, to make myself healthier and my family, and also hopefully to make other patients and things healthier. So I left the ER in 2013.
0: And how did you get into integrative? Because there's a lot of other places you could have gone, right, within the medical field that could have given you more of like that nine to... Five life, but why did you pick integrative medicine?
2: Um, I started looking into, uh, you know, there's kind of a lot of names for it. Integrative medicine, certainly age management medicine or anti-aging medicine, longevity. Um, I started looking into it and I, I realized there was this whole field of medicine that we had, I'd never been taught at all in medical school or residency. Like there's this whole, you know, nutrition and lifestyle hormones, all of these things that was barely touched on in all of my years of medical education um, but that were actually super important and that, that you know, most diseases that are out there, we could, we could prevent them if we got to the person early enough and there was education and, um, and, you know, and we all put in effort. So I just became very fascinated by that idea that we actually as, as people have a lot more power than we think we do in control of our health. like We have, not always, but most of the time we have control of our health. And so I think that that is the super empowering idea, um, but obviously it requires some work on all of our parts.
0: I think it's funny you say that because when you first said the alternatives for the name integrative medicine, as far as anti-aging or longevity, my initial gut feeling is like pushback. like that's not a thing. Or what are you talking about? Is it Benjamin Button? Like, <laughs> right. I, I feel like it, it, and we believe like what you just said is exactly what we believe in. But can you explain a little bit more of that mindset? Because I'm sure there's other people listening that it's like, yeah, longevity, anti-aging. Sure. Cause anti-aging to me is like what Maybelline like puts on like a new serum. They're <laughs> trying to like get people to buy. Right. So what does that mean in, yeah. in your words?
2: And I will. I totally agree with you that the, the word anti aging has some negative connotations to it, and it yeah. if, you know it has yeah. like a, it's like a marketing term. Um, and I don't think that sure. anyone thinks that we're able to stop aging. But there is an, you know this longevity field is a, a huge research. You know billions of dollars being pumped into it now to find out if there are things that we can do to slow down aging. And we know that we can do that with lifestyle, but like what else can we do? Are there medications? Are there technologies? Are there, you know, and so this has gotten a lot of interest. And the reason I lump these things all together, you know, I think functional medicine's in that group. And there's all of these things that basically they have the same premise, which is that, if you make certain decisions and you lead your life a certain way, as far as your exercise and nutrition and sleep and stress and all of these things, then you can have a drastic um, effect on how quickly and how well you age. So that's the whole overall idea. It's not necessarily we're going to turn you back, you know, to the twenty-year-old version of yourself. It's more that what can we do to keep you as healthy as possible for as long as possible.
0: So if someone wants to start, right, and they want to get some tests done to understand where they're at, what do you recommend or point them in the right direction?
2: I mean, I would recommend I would say start with a doctor that, that you could work with um, or a practitioner, at least that knows something about you know, there's a ton of tests out there and they all, I can give you a whole slew of tests, but you're not going to know what to do with that information. You're going to get the numbers back and be like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Um, But, you know, I I do think that getting some basic Blood tests, you know, to check your, your kidney function your liver function, your 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 basic blood counts, as well as some of the more um, dialed in tests like 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 insulin tests and blood sugar, which we know is really important for aging, for keeping those numbers low. Um, so there's inflammatory markers, things like that. But I think the first step is find a practitioner that uh, that you trust that can kind of help guide you through this because it is a little bit of a kind of murky waters when you first jump in.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I'd like to actually take a step back. We realize that we have a community full of people with gut issues and hormone issues. I don't know about you, but to me it feels like they're on the rise, right? Like It feels like everyone I talk to these days has... Some sort of hormone imbalance, some sort of underlying gut issue that are presenting as these symptoms of fatigue, weight gain, acne, whatever GI issues that you have. Have you in your practice and just with all of this experience come up with a bit of um, categories or things that you're saying, okay... This is what's causing all of these issues. Can we narrow it down into some category
2: of some sort? Well, I think that I mean I think that there are the categories are probably things like the foods that we're eating. I mean, that's a that's a whole big category, but you know, that obviously could be broken down into smaller pieces, but what we are eating more inflammatory foods, more processed foods, more foods that are going to Spike our blood sugar and keep blood sugar up for longer. Um, when you have a high blood sugar, you know your blood sugar is supposed to go up when you eat, like that's what it does. Um, but then it's supposed to come back down again. And what's happening a lot because a lot of our foods have sugar in them, that, you know, and simple carbohydrates, and we don't really know how to balance those as well with the protein and the fat. Um, and so sometimes, so we're seeing more and more of higher blood sugars that are staying high over time, and that is leading to prediabetes, diabetes uh, which leads to diabetes. And so you know. Something like eighty-five, like I think it's like eighty percent of uh, people in the U.S. have prediabetes, and which means you don't have diabetes yet, but you know you're on the slippery slope, and that's something that that doctors aren't even telling patients sometimes. Like they don't even tell them your blood sugars are creeping up. You know you should watch what you're eating. Um, so there's a lot of things like that that's just diet related, and then of course you know the, like we're not sleeping as well. Probably we're under more stress than ever. Like all of these pieces are going to affect every part of our health, our gut health and our hormones and our mental health and basically everything.
0: You mentioned inflammatory foods. And I think inflammation is something that we hear a lot about today, but being a 101 podcast, I'd like to understand what that even means. Cause when I think of inflammation, I think of puffiness, right? Like mm-hmm. skin puffiness, swelling, but what is inflammation? Like, how do we know if we have
2: it? That's a great question. So so first of all, inflammation is not a bad thing if you have it just for a short period of time. Right, it's a, it's your body's way of dealing with some kind of assault. So if you get a bacterial infection, if you cut yourself, you know, like the inflammation. If you like, if you cut yourself and your body's healing it, then you might see that the wound is a little bit red and it's a little swollen, and that's that's inflammation. That's your body sending in the immune system to fight any bugs, you know, any bacteria that might be in that wound, and so that you can repair it. So I think of inflammation as as these little tiny um, little fires that are kind of Going off in your body, so you know you may have a fire if you if you uh, had a bacterial infection, or you have a fire if you get injured. Um, but then your body sends like a fire truck to the fire, which is your immune system, and the, the immune system goes to the fire, does its work, gets rid of the fire, and then the inflammation goes away. So that's what's supposed to happen, and that's called acute inflammation. What's happening more and more is because of, and it's a lot of things that do it, and we can kind of talk about that, but because of sort of the lives that we're leading um, and the choices that a lot of us are making, you have all these little fires all over your body. They may be in your blood vessels, they may be in your joints, they may be in your skin, they may be all these different places. And so your body is sending out these fire trucks, but the trucks can't quite get the fires out. So they're just like smoldering these little tiny fires. And so that, you know, so we see this in, this is an increased risk for developing all different kinds of diseases from, you know, heart disease to dementia, to cancer. Like we know inflammation is the root of all of this. And a lot of it does lead back to our diet, um, eating things, you know, that are, you know, high sugar foods and things that are, um, going to react, make our body react in this way. Um, there are some tests, you know, that you can do to look just for general inflammation, like some blood tests, like the CRP for instance, is a blood test, Um, That's, that's easy to get with your doctor, but it doesn't tell you what the actual problem is. It just tells you that you may have some inflammation and then you still have to investigate. Oh, where do I have it? Like what's causing it? How do I stop it? We just did something through this company and I just got my CRP back and
1: it's the truth. It like gives you this number and you're like, okay, this should not be this high. Are you inflamed? I'm a teeny bit, which is not good, which is also crazy because just to share something, I mean, like I really feel like I take great care of myself and my health. Right. But there are other aspects, as you were saying, that there's multiple things on that list that like you can be doing this, this, and this, and this, and not to stress anyone out, but you really have to look at that whole picture. And that's what you're saying is like, there's multiple things that's causing it. It's not just the fact that You ate a bowl of ice cream
2: last night and all of a sudden you have all this inflammation. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, certainly diet's part of it, but so is, you know, so is our environmental toxins, you know, endocrine disrupting chemicals, things found in the environment that you're exposed to that you don't even know, you know, you know, things like that, as well as just not sleeping enough or well, or, or being stressed, like stress causes inflammation which is a little unfair because, you know, we don't, we feel like we can't control it, but, um, but, you know, unfortunately you have to control it in order to control that inflammation. So it's a lot of things. Um, and that's where I think it is really important to, to work with someone who, you know, whether it's a nutritionist or a, you know, a biohacker or a, a physician or someone who is well-versed in this a little bit, because there's a lot of just like ambiguous terms out there that are are difficult to understand what you actually do about it if you don't have someone that's kind of guiding you.
1: It's interesting because I I often see things on Instagram and stuff that's like an anti-inflammatory salad, right? And it's like, great, that probably has a lot of nutrients in it and healthy for you, but is that going to fix that underlying stress that I'm going to raise my hand, I'm very guilty, and I'm pretty sure that's what's causing that inflammation? Yeah. But again, right, we can use these terms in such this way of everything's going to be inflammatory or this food is anti-inflammatory, which is great, but you're so right about if people have that ability to work with someone to do that or figure out even what are the causes of inflammation. So I, I love that.
0: Jenna, Jenna and I laugh because I, a little background on our story because it's relevant to this conversation is that I was the person when I graduated, I was a collegiate athlete. I graduated college and I was just probably I had like 20 pounds to lose realistically. Like I was fit, but I wasn't healthy. So I started following all these fitness influencers. And so I started emulating what they were doing, but they don't always tell you that they have acne and they don't sleep well, right? Like they they just have a six pack. And I was like, okay, six pack equals health in my mind. So like, this is great. When I started focusing on these influencers, things like anti-inflammatory smoothie and like all of these different buzzwords started, I'm like, great, I drink my anti-inflammatory smoothie every day. But (laughs) what I'm understanding from you is that, sure, maybe if you eat properly, great. But inflammation can come in a variety of ways. So it's important to handle your health holistically as a whole versus like targeting one thing. Like the smoothie probably is great for you, right? But that's not reduced. That's just not eliminating any like larger, like chronic inflammation.
2: Yeah, it may not be. And I, I think that the, the thing that's hard about this, it is very personalized, right? I mean, some people can't eat gluten because it's inflammatory to them, but a lot of people can. Some people can't do dairy because it's, you know, like there's a whole list. And, and if you listen to every influencer out there, you will never eat anything because you'll just be at home like, yeah. right, you're, you're like paralyzed, right? You're like, I don't know if I should eat this. And I, I mean, that anxiety that you're getting is also not great for you. So like you have to, you have to kind of do this without stressing yourself out so much that you have like decision paralysis. But you know, a lot of it's trial and error. A lot of it's you do a particular diet or you get rid of something that you think could be a problem for you know a month or so, and you just see what happens, and then you change it up and try something different. Um, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of programs out there, but I think most of all it's just about trying trying and failing over and over again, (laughs) and then working with someone who knows what they're doing.
0: Another part of health that you talk about, actually, Jenna and I were having a conversation because she initially put in our notes for the episode about sleep. And I'm like, Jenna, we always talk about sleep. Like, let's just exclude this. And then she was like, no, look more into what Dr. Amy's saying. And so we look and you talk about sleep training. And so I would love for you to talk more about that because I know I could benefit from it and probably a lot of other people can too.
2: Well, I think, you know, there's a lot, there's actually more resources out there now than there ever used to be about sleep. So my friend, Molly McLaughlin, she, uh, she, she has a podcast called sleep Is a skill and the whole premise of it is that sleep, it doesn't just good sleep doesn't just happen to you, especially as you get older, that you actually have to work at it just like you do any other skill and you have to learn and you have to put things into practice. So she has a lot of great resources, but you know, it's, it's simple things like going outside and getting some morning sun in the morning, some morning light will actually help with your circadian rhythm. So spend a few minutes outside in the mornings, you know, to blocking blue light in the evenings, and that you know, not eating too late, and certainly avoiding alcohol. Like, there's all these things you can do um, to start working on sleep, and then you track it. Uh, if you have like a wearable, like I have an Aura Ring, uh, but there's you know all the different devices that are out there um, that can track your sleep, and you can you can kind of start paying attention to like what am I doing that's helping sleep versus what's not, and I, and it can make a big difference in how you feel, obviously. When you start sleeping better, then it can change everything, I think.
1: And you being like an ER doctor or a previous ER doctor, you probably know how different you felt, you know, getting absolutely no sleep is my guess to
2: now I'm sure you're like, I have to sleep eight hours at least every single day type (laughs) of thing. It's so funny. I spent, you know, about 15 years, like starting from, from medical school through till... Uh, after like well, after i had my kids and was in the er where i just never slept very well and my circuit you know I was always working overnight or 4am shifts or i had little kids and i'm getting up all night and so i went all these years without sleeping and then all of a sudden i left the er I started sleeping normal schedule and I felt like everything all of a sudden just started making sense. Like I was able to lose weight without trying. I had way more energy. My skin was better. You know, I was just a nicer person. My workouts were more effective. Like it's amazing what sleep can do for us, but we don't talk about it because it's not super sexy, but it actually is. I think if you have to ask me like, what's the one thing that I would recommend? It's learn to sleep. Everything else will fall into place a lot faster when you do that. And that's
1: so interesting because what Jill was saying, like we've talked about sleep so many times, but a lot of the doctors that we have had on have told us how important sleep is. I'm like, if we can just get this into more people's heads because we're in the age of, social media and scrolling on your phone before you go to bed and to me it's an ugly habit right of doing that and so I'm like if we can just learn and maybe train ourselves and I would love even linking um Molly's podcast because I think that sounds so awesome to get just a resource of things that we can start working on to make sure that we do have that improved sleep because of what you said benefits so many other aspects of our lives yeah it's
0: funny because I have been struggling going to sleep because I found that at nighttime, especially, I work a full-time job, which most people listening to this podcast do, and then you get home and it feels like the hours of like 6 to 10 just fly by. And then I'm finally in bed and I'm like, I just want to aimlessly scroll for a little bit because I feel like I haven't had one minute to just like be a blob all day. All right. <laughs> and so I've started replacing my, my scrolling at night with reading on my Kindle because they can do like the warm lights and everything like that. But Jenna knows I love to read. And then I stay up way too late reading because that's also fun. So I was wondering, like, do you have any tips for, like, getting ready for bed? Like, are there things you do, limits you put on anything to... Get you ready because I find like just getting myself into the position to sleep is the hardest part. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: No, I totally, I'm told. I love, I love reading too. I'm the same way. I have a Kindle. I bring it to bed with me. It's like my favorite. Like snuggle up with myself and read. Um, Mm -hmm. A couple of rules that I try to abide by. I try, I try not to eat anything within two or three hours of bed. Uh, We know that you know when you when you when you're. After you eat, you go into this like rest and digest state, but you're resting, you're digesting, but you're not actually able to sleep as well because you're, you're, your body thinks it's, it's supposed to be doing something else. So it's best to try not to, you know, eat an earlier dinner if possible. Um, definitely avoid alcohol, at least in those two hours before bed. And if you do drink, no more than like one drink because we know alcohol is one of the worst things you can do. It'll make you tired, but then, it, you know, then it'll wake you up multiple times during the night. Um, so avoiding alcohol when at all possible is a, is a one. Um, taking a, a warm bath, and that's better than a shower, but like a warm bath or a hot tub if you have one or even a sauna, like about 90 minutes before you go to bed. What happens is your body gets warm and then it starts to cool down afterwards. And that cooling down is a message to your body that it's time to go to sleep. So it's not the getting hot. It's actually the cooling down afterwards. But um, but baths and hot tubs and things like that are really good for that. And then uh, the other thing is, you know, yeah, keeping your phone, if possible, out of the bedroom or at least not on (laughs) if it's in the bedroom um and then i you know a super kind of a cool room like 68 degrees or so is about the best temperature according to the research on sleep Uh, and you know very black you don't want to have any light on because that affects your melatonin production which is part of you know what's going to get you to sleep
0: yeah those are all very doable things too so
1: you're really on to something with your eye mask jill's obsessed with
2: eye masks she'd like to i don't can you sleep without it are you
0: no, I, love uh, I, I
2: yeah. what, what
0: brand do you have? I
2: have, I have the Sleep Master and it's like a, it's like a satin pillowcase okay. that just goes around and, and it wraps all the way around like my ears too. And it, i yeah, oh, wow. I, I have like five of them. I, I take them everywhere. I give them to all my friends. I'm obsessed.
0: That's literally yeah, just, me. I,
2: there's a, yeah. there's
0: like a luxury uh, pajama brand called Lunia, and their yep. pajama sets are f- like $300, but their eye masks are 50 which I feel is doable because I wear it every night. It stays on my head. I have like three of them. And yeah, I tell everyone about these masks. But no, I mean, like if I forget my mask on a trip, I have to take a sweatshirt and put it over my eyes. I literally, she sleeps in like broad daylight and i'm like i don't know how you do it like yeah well i mean (laughs) i would love to be able to fall asleep in other conditions other than pitch black but that's that's what i'm stuck with so no that's that's interesting
1: okay you all know by now that we are absolutely obsessed with this sponsor element electrolytes We all need electrolytes in our lives and I'm talking when you're drinking water you're not getting electrolytes from just plain water sufficient amounts right so you have to supplement with that you can supplement with element packets fruit milk you'll learn about that on this episode today but element is all of the stuff you need and nothing you don't that means a lot of salt with no sugar. Element is a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Electrolyte deficiencies look like headaches, cramps, fatigue, weakness. I've told you all before, I used to get these painful leg cramps, especially during my sleep. I don't get them anymore because I focus on my electrolyte intake. So Element is honestly the best. We are absolutely obsessed with them. And it's about to be summertime. So we all need to ensure that we are properly hydrating. And that is water plus electrolytes. So to ensure you're properly hydrated this summer, go to drinkelement.com guttalkgirls. That's drinkelement.com slash guttalkgirls. We're also linking it in the show notes to get a free sampler pack to try all of the flavors. And you can also buy flavors as well. Jill and I love watermelon, raspberry. They just came out with a grapefruit that is amazing as well. Citrus is incredible too. Go check them out. We love Element. The topic of sex is really interesting. It's honestly something that we've maybe touched on once and you are very much into it. And I would honestly love to talk a little bit about sex. And I had heard you on a previous episode before, Can we just start at a place of how important sexual health is for us and what benefits it can bring to us by having a healthy sex life?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love talking about that. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of fell into this whole sexual health world because I wasn't, I wasn't planning on this being something that I talked about a lot, but I had a lot of patients that would, would ask me, you know, questions like, how do I, how do I improve my sex life where I'm having problems? What do I do? And so I started kind of looking into it and it's, there's such an interesting connection between sexual health and overall health. And I think that, it, we don't talk about it in that way very often. Um, and I think you know, sexual health is important, whether or not you have a partner or not. It's, it's the idea that you are happy with your sexuality and that all the systems that, that affect sexual health are working properly. So you know, in order to be sexually healthy, you have to have positive input from your mental health as well as your emotional health, as well as your physical health, obviously, and then you also have to have input from your social health, so your partner relationship has to be healthy, and then other things like environmental health and even spiritual health. Like all of those things kind of come together to create sexual health. So what I love about sexual health is we can look at it as a as a marker of, of general health. Like if you are having, you know, if you're having problems with low libido or if you're having problems with arousal or you're having, you know, whatever the problem is, oftentimes it's pointing to something else that's bigger that's going on. Like it's pointing to a hormone problem or it's pointing to a problem with your relationship or a sexual trauma in the past or, you know, some kind of something else. And so I'd like it as this way to kind of look into the person a little deeper and then figure out what's going on so we can help to solve those problems.
0: Yeah, I love that. You don't you don't hear that too often. Is there anything about sexual health that you feel like is oftentimes misunderstood that you find you have to either correct a lot with like the patients that you see or just maybe in general on with your social media platform?
2: First of all, that a lot of people don't think that sexual health is important unless they have a partner. Like they don't realize that sexual health is not about them, it's about you. It's, it's not about your partner, it's about you. So you can be totally sexually healthy, totally sexually happy- by yourself and that's totally fine. Um, obviously, everyone has different preferences and interests, and, and those are all also completely fine. But if you are interested in sex and sexual health, then there's actually a lot that we can do if you're having problems. And I think that that's one of the misconceptions is that especially women, if you know women are having you know any kind of problem, like they don't have libido or they're not having arousal or orgasms or whatever, they, they don't tell anyone. They don't even tell their friends. They don't tell their doctors. They just are just like, oh, this is just how it is. And they don't realize that A, they deserve better, and B, there's so many things that can be done to improve that situation if they just go and get the right help from the right people.
0: I love that. That's super helpful. I think it, it's definitely still taboo. Um, we had Dr. Jolene Brighton on our podcast uh, a few episodes ago. I love her. And I feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. we, she's the best. And I feel like she talks about it a lot, and, and she makes it uncomfortable for people to be uncomfortable with it in like a really great way. You know what I mean? Like she's, she, it talks about it so plainly because she's like, why are we, you know, hiding tampons when we're walking to the bathroom? We're like, why are we pretending that sex is the secret thing when literally all humans like have some form of it? Like, so it's kind of cool for us um, to have those conversations and understand that like it, it gives you the freedom to feel more comfortable with sexual health.
2: Yeah, Jolene is one is a good friend of mine, and we have a lot of great discussions around this. And and you know, I think it's you think I I think I tell people think about your sexual system just like you would any other system. Like if you had knee pain um, or a bad headache or you know chest pain, you would go to the doctor and you would ask for help. And you know, maybe it's a regular doctor, maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's you know, there's all different people that could help. But you would go and ask for help. But, but because, of, because it's your sexual system, we don't do that. We just keep it inside and we're just like, oh, I guess I'm just not gonna do this anymore or I'm not gonna enjoy it anymore. Um, and that I think is a travesty. You're saying you shouldn't just all of a sudden, just because your friends don't have a sex
1: life or a personal sex life that you shouldn't either, correct?
2: Yeah, it's funny. I was I was being interviewed for uh, the the Times in London years ago, uh, and the, the reporter was this woman. She was probably in her fifties, and, and she was. We were talking about male sexual dysfunction, but it kind of came around. And, and And I was telling her some of the things that we can do to you know help bring back all the libido and the you know all the things. And she was like, "I don't understand why would we want to keep having sex after age 50? And I was like, "Oh, I have so much work to do here." <laughs> everything wrong with right what i'm saying I, that's so we, funny yeah it was funny so i mean i don't think every, you know, everyone doesn't want it but i think that if you do sure just know that you don't have to and i think that even in younger women i mean you know, people you know things like using birth control pills which i'm not opposed to but i do think it certainly can cause changes in sexual function in some people um you know people have relationship issues like people uh, even in younger women we see problems um that people just don't talk about around sex
1: and when it comes to something like let's say low libido you were saying that it could be connected to, you know, a greater hormone issue. Is this something that, okay, I pretend that I have low libido. Do I go, should I go to the doctor or should I address other aspects of my life? Maybe I'm not getting good sleep. When or yeah. where do you decide what the right thing is to do for something like, let's say, low libido?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're young and healthy, the first thing is, is probably to start looking at your lifestyle. And, and you, you know, honestly, if you went to your doctor, they'd probably just mostly dismiss you and tell you to go home. Um, I, I suspect that if you're, you know, 25 or 30 and you say, I don't, you know, my libido's low, they're going to be like, okay. Um, that's unfortunately (laughs) the way it kind of is. But so I would start with looking at lifestyles and also looking at, you know, with, with, uh, sex, sexual health and sexual drive in women, especially there's, you know, you have to have excitement, but you also have to have You have to kind of get rid of the breaks that are being put on it. So like if you're really stressed, for instance, or if you have a long to-do list and or, you know, there's all these things that can kind of come up, that's putting the breaks on your interest in sex. And so you have to take care of those things and figure out a way to shift your mindset from this, you know, go and do and give like the sympathetic what we call fight or flight mindset, which is where a lot of us live. You have to be able to switch over to what I call the rest and receive mindset, which is the parasympathetic. And that's, you know, instead of going, doing, giving, it's being and breathing and receiving, and just being being there to receive, you know, affection and help and touch and, and you know and pleasure and all of that, you have to be in the right mindset or it doesn't make sense. So a lot of that is a mental thing that we have to kind of take care of ourselves.
1: I, I know rest and digest but I've never heard rest and receive I love
2: that yeah I well I made it up that's why um, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I I, I decided that, was, I, that that was what we needed is that we need more rest and receive because uh, I feel like they're especially for, so cool. yeah. for women I think that we're so used to, to giving all the time and and doing you know and, and I think that we don't you know we don't create enough space to just receive and not have to like not have to necessarily even give back just just receive it. Cause that's what a lot of, a lot of us need. Uh, you know, we, it takes us longer to, to get aroused and to reach orgasm than men. Like there's all these things that we have to be willing to receive or we're never going to get what we want to get. Mm, I love
0: that. We could talk about this all day and yeah. we did with Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jolene Brennan. We were like, we need more time, but <laughs> there's something we have to talk about because I'm so excited. And that is skin and especially red light and blue light. We'll get to the other things afterward, but you have talked a lot on social media about the benefits of blue light and red light. Can you explain what they are and then what's great about them? Because I think this is something that I've been wondering about for a really long time.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, so light. Obviously, it's all around us. Red light is a specific wavelength of light. So usually, it's about six hundred and fifty nanometers. You don't have to know that, but there's all these devices out there now. You know, the panels or the masks that wrap around your face, or you know, you've seen a thousand of them that are red light. It's also called uh, photobiomodulation. That's the fancy name for it. But basically, what it's doing with skin is, are really in the whole body. What it's doing is, it's it's kind of charging up your mitochondria. So inside your cells, you have the mitochondria, which are like the batteries of your cells. And in order for them to work, um, one of the things that that the red light can do is it can give them more energy, give them more ability to make to make energy themselves. So that's why you'll see people like standing naked in front of the red light panels, you know, or things like that. Like this biohackers will do that because they're, they're charging up their, their mitochondria. And there's all kinds of health benefits from lower blood pressure to less inflammation, which we talked about earlier. Um, But then with the skin, there's some studies that show that you can have improvement in, in skin health, so less fine lines, fewer wrinkles, just better like, brightness and blood flow and, and skin health. And it's super easy, it's super safe, you know, doesn't require drugs or any injections or anything. Um, so I'm a big fan of using red light, whether it's a panel or a, a face mask. And then blue light is actually better for acne. So if you have a lot of acne, like teenagers especially, if you don't want to give a lot of medications or even if it's just not working, blue light um, can help kill some of the bacteria and can help to improve acne after you use it for a while. So there's two different wavelengths of light here, but they both work in different ways.
0: I think there are some face masks on the market that do both blue light and red light. Is that Mm -hmm. something that you recommend or use yourself
2: yeah, there are. There, in the last few years, they've come out with it. You know, you put them on and you can just strap them on and you're like uh, the guy from, is it Friday the 13th or Freddy Krueger? I don't know. What are those, like, yeah. old, uh, yeah. One of those like old things where they used to have that ski All mask the on. Um, mm-hmm. So you could, yeah, you could definitely do that. And they have, usually they'll have a couple of different, they'll have either red and blue, and then they may have near infrared, which is a little bit higher wavelength. It's like about a thousand. And that one goes a little bit deeper. So that one maybe is for like, if you have a wound that's not healing, that's going to go deeper into your, into your skin. Skin, um, or even joint pain and muscle pain and things like that the near infrared can help be helpful but most of these devices will have all three options and you can just dial in kind of what you want
1: you can go uh, buy your your face yeah jill's been, jill's been wondering she's like is this legit legit
0: and yeah. okay so i have a hatch alarm clock i can get the setting to go to red light is that red light as good as other red lights? Like, are they all the same or are there some that are better than others?
2: Uh, I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely some better than others. It comes down to, you know, how many bulbs, what kind of power, they're usually LED bulbs. And then how far you are from your skin. Like, you know, you certainly having a red light like a, across the room is not going to be as helpful as having, having it, you know, right next to you. Um, but yeah, there are a ton of brands out there that, that do these. I, I, I don't have a relationship with them, but like higher dose, which you guys should meet those girls. They're, do you know them? They're they're great. Kat, uh, Katie and I know, but
1: you're like the 10th person to tell us that. Yeah. Well, they're like friends and they're
2: young and they're cool and they have the, yeah. they have the company higher dose and the higher dose makes one of those face masks that you just kind of strap on is why I thought about that. But that's, When yeah. you said that that's exactly what I thought of when we were talking about
1: masks. So, yeah. That's yeah. funny.
0: So, so, as far as skin goes, like what else besides red and blue light do you recommend like there's so much out on the market. What do you feel are like right now, at least like your holy grails?
2: Um, I think starting when you're about 25, uh, well, first of all, starting when you're just any age, you should be wearing a mineral sunblock on your face and your neck. Anytime you're going, even like sitting near a window, like the light, you know, obviously the sun is the, the number one cause of skin aging. And and I luckily I didn't lay out too much when I was a kid, but I did a little bit, uh, I wish I hadn't, but you know, get a, get a good mineral sunblock, like zinc oxide for instance is a great one. Um, starting, you know, as a kid. And then when you start to get get 20, 25, I would recommend uh, in the morning use some kind of daily antioxidant serum. And that's gonna be like things that have antioxidants. So vitamin C, vitamin E, you know, green tea extract. There's just all kinds of like good antioxidants. Just put it on in the morning and that will help repair your skin if you have damage from pollution or the light or, you know, radiation at the airport or any of the things that can cause the DNA to be damaged throughout your day. And then the third part of that is starting at about 25 to do a daily retinoid at night. And you know, when you're younger, like just a retinol, which you can get over the counter, you've seen retinols in all kinds of skincare, is great. As you get older, you probably wanna do something a little stronger. Um, there's all different classes of retinoids and like a, you know, prescription like Tretinoin is the highest, but, like, but when you're younger, a retinol is great. But that's the be- one of the best things you can do to keep the cells turning over um, in your skin so they stay as healthy as you get older.
0: Okay, that's helpful. I have so many things to look into. Yeah,
2: I am so
1: glad that sunscreen. <laughs> I am so glad that sunscreen has become such a thing these days because I don't know if I would have it on every day like I do. I'm 26 for reference. If it worked for the, the Queen Beauty influencers who are like, "Yep, I put this on every day. This is my Holy Grail. I well, use the Elta MD
0: one." Not yeah. to call Jenna out, but until recently, oh, yeah. she didn't realize. <laughs> That moisturizer goes on in the morning as well as nighttime. Yeah. And that one did
1: cross my
0: mind. Her makeup was just not wearing well. And I looked at her one day and I'm like, it kind of looks like you're not wearing moisturizer. And she's like, well, I'm not. And I was like, what? I was like, who? Like, I was so speechless because I I don't even know where to start. Like, Why not? Did someone tell you not to? Did, did mom just forget to mention that to you, but not to me? Because you know
1: here is the thing there's already so much to think about and learn and do. You know what? Forgetting my there moisturizer is. is
2: like the tiniest thing. But in it, my
0: makes, it makes such a difference. That's
2: the thing. Well, I yeah, will say, I mean, when you're true. 25, moisturizer may not be a big deal. Certainly as you get older, your skin gets more dry. And if I forget to put on something like moisturizing in the morning, like my skin is like, it's like the desert. Like it's like cracking and peeling. And it's like, I got cactuses coming out of it. It's crazy. But
1: like, so, so is mine. And honestly, you guys guys, and I'm only 26, so we might have a problem there. Maybe I need more water. But you guys are uh, watching uh, Dr. Amy, but your skin is glowing. So oh, well, I'm going to listen to all of your tips <laughs> because I, that's, that's my goal. Jill and I are on our new skincare. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? This is just slightly random, but any thoughts around Botox or the thought of preventative Botox, is that a legitimate thing? Just curious because, again, another thing that is very popular uh, that we've seen recently...
2: You know, I think that Botox and other, it's a neurotoxin. So any neurotoxins in that same category, I think certainly have a place if you want to do them. I don't think that anyone should be pressured. Um, I I have done Botox on myself for years. So I am a fan and I'm always very open with people about like, I mean, I've done, you know, I've done lasers. I've done fillers. I've done both. Like I've injected my own self. Like I think it's important to be, like just be transparent. But um, I think that it, it can have a place. Certainly it helps, you know, it's preventing your muscles, certain muscles from moving. I, I don't think you need to start it when you're like in your 20s. I think it's more like in your 30s. If you're starting to see like some wrinkles forming, um, then maybe there's a place for it. I, I don't think that I don't think that starting it super early is necessary. I would wait until you start to see a problem and then obviously go to the right doctor that is gonna just do it in a sort of a light way that doesn't make you look crazy. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know. I just find that a lot of our friends have done it. Um, Jill's tried it before and it's just one of those things where it's like, do I need to be preventing it? Like I've got a couple forehead lines, maybe that's my lack of moisturizer, but <laughs> I just get curious on the, the opinions of, you know, others, especially
2: yours is definitely yeah. the expert in this. So, Yeah, um, but Botox, Botox is, is great, but the problem topic. is it, you know, it lasts three to six months and then you, you got to repeat it. And like, once you yeah. kind of get started, then oftentimes you don't really want to stop like you just like you're like you realize every wrinkle makes you bothers you so i just i would say you know if you're going to do it just wait until you have something that really bothers you um and then you, as long as you don't have like super deep wrinkles the botox usually will kind of kind of calm them down and and um there they you'll be you know you look great i think it's a great tool i think that it's just not necessary for everyone that's a good explanation. Thank you. <laughs>
1: got, my, got my answer to Botox. You are very into biohacking. I would love to know, just to leave people, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about your company Hotbox, but first, quickly, will you explain what biohacking is and then just a couple of your favorite little things to do on the daily?
2: Yeah, biohacking, uh, you know, uh, Dave Asprey was the one who coined the term years ago and it's just this idea of of using uh, you know of going on your own essentially like you don't have to have a doctor necessarily and finding ways to kind of hack your biology so like making the most of your biology using Techniques and technology and and things like that. So it's kind of a broad term. It just basically means you know going out there and finding ways to try to be healthier, to live longer, to be higher functioning, to be better at sports performance, whatever it is. But kind of hacking your biology, your system. Um, and there's some crazy stuff in it. You know that people do. Um, some of my favorite things that I like. I do like the red light therapy, which we talked about. Um, cold plunges. I've been. I've gotten pretty into in the last six months or so and adding cold plunges into not every day but uh, at least a few days a week I think is is I feel like a superstar when I do it. I don't know if it's really helping me, but I feel like I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, look how badass I am. I just conquered that cold water. <laughs> yeah. But there's we supposedly some help benefits. it. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that, like we, I think we mentioned earlier, but you know, getting out and getting some morning sun is another big one that's really easy. It's super, it's free. Essentially when you first wake up, just go outside and spend five minutes or so um, looking at the horizon, seeing the light come. Like there's actually like all of these crazy benefits to your eyes to your peripheral vision to your like to your circadian rhythms like who would have known um but you know there's like a lot of this is basic stuff but uh some of those i think are good and then yeah i'm pretty into supplements i have a company that does supplements um and i i, I have tried almost all of the technologies out there but i think that that some of the simplest things you know walking barefoot outside is is great for you like there's so many like little things you can do that don't require money don't require expertise but we just don't Think about during our daytime. Mm, I love that. Such a good reminder.
0: Yeah. And so I, I'm really intrigued by hot box mm-hmm. starting off with like what it is and why did you start this brand?
2: So hop stands for Human Optimization Project, and we just simplified it to Hop. Um, and I, we st- I started it about two years ago, but it's been it's taken this long to actually get our get our product made. But essentially what it is, it's a it's a monthly subscription box that's based specifically on longevity and improving health span and trying to help kind of take you up to that next level. So it's not like a multivitamin. We're kind of assuming that people are eating a healthy diet um, and are doing the, you know, getting their most nutrients from food, but it's what are the things that you can't get from your food, or at least can't get in high enough doses that seem to have a positive effect on everything from metabolism to energy to skin health to you know all the things that are kind of important to us as we get older so it's basically just a, you know you take a packet in the morning take a packet in the evening and um it's 19 ingredients that we curated and put in there and it's super cute it's fun and uh you know really for anyone um any adult it can take it uh but but it's been kind of a passion project but we finally launched a few months ago and uh and it's going great and it's fun Congrats that's awesome.
0: So if someone subscribes to Hotbox what and they start taking it sounds like a daily set of like pills.
2: Mhm. Yes, yeah, what, what can they
0: expect?
2: The first thing that we hear back from people is just energy, like not needing your afternoon nap anymore and you know like thing like people just are, are um so a lot of the ingredients, so we don't have any stimulants in there, but a lot of the ingredients just help your cells to make energy better. So you're not like buzzing. You're like, you're not like caffeine, but you're, but you're just not as tired. Like you're not eating that. And I found that to be true. Like I used to love my afternoon. I'm kind of angry. I used to love my afternoon nap. And now I try to, I go lay down and I'm just laying there like, why am I still awake? But I'm just not really <laughs> as tired, <laughs> which is good for productivity, but I didn't enjoy it. Good and bad, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and then on the, on the flip side of that, even though there's no sedatives in there. Sleep also improves because it, we're helping with circadian rhythm. So sleep sleep and energy, the first ones. Um, and then after about three months, we see a lot of people who are saying that their hair is getting thicker. Like we have something called spermidine. Um, that's really good for hair and skin. So better skin and hair. Uh, we have hy- hyaluronic acid, which you've probably heard about putting on your skin on the outside, but we actually have uh, oral hyaluronic acid, which is actually better for your skin than the topical hyaluronic acid. Um, so we have something like we have all these ingredients that I've, I chose specifically to improve the things that I care about, you know, energy, skin, um, mood, sleep, sexual health. Like it's kind of all wrapped into those little packets. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Yeah. And so go ahead, Jen.
1: It sounds convenient. Like it sounds just easy to do. You know, I think that's what people are begging for these days is just give me something that I know is going to be good for me. And let me just take it one in the morning or however many in the morning and at night.
2: I've been in this space for so long and I'm all, you know, I'm always going out and buying like, you know, 15 different bottles of supplements and like trying to make up my own dosing. And my husband is, you know, and it's like, this is so difficult. And even though I know all of these things, it's still difficult. And so like, what if we just put together the perfect combination and then there's no, like, it's just easy. You don't have to worry about it anymore.
1: Yeah. I love that. Cool. We'll, we'll link that at the show notes, uh, for everyone to go check it out.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. How, yeah. does, how does someone find Hotbox? Is it a website?
2: Yeah, it's hop. It's H-O-P. is the website. We'll, we'll surely link it.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Yes. This episode has been awesome. There's so many nuggets for people to pull, which is what we love the most is like how to start getting healthier today. You've given so many tangible, easy, free tips, right? right? So like <laughs> there's something for everyone in this episode um, and we will link your bio, your Instagram handle, all those good things. Um, in the show notes so people can go start following you. You have an awesome Instagram. It's like three tips for this, five ideas for that. So it's it's great for anyone who just needs a little bit to get started and it's not like overloading you with information. It's just perfect amount. So Dr. Amy, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you guys. You guys have been delightful. <laughs>